Good morning, everyone. Okay, one more time. Good morning, everybody. Hello, how are you? Good. It was very, it was too quiet for me this morning. Um, thank you. That's much better than silence, to be honest. Um, welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome everybody who's online joining us, or if you're going to join us later, um, we still say welcome. So we are going to start our service with some worship through the music, and then Brent's going to bring the word this morning. Um, but as always, I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to get started. Um, God, we are so thankful that we get to be in community with you this morning, um, with you and with everybody who's here. So um, we pray, come Holy Spirit in this space, and we pray that expectantly. Um, we just ask for your spirit to be heavy here, and that every person here can feel you and get to know you. Um, so thank you. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this time. Um, and I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you want to stand, you can stand, but um, we're pretty free here, so however you want to worship, you can worship, and we're going to start.
sang about his greatness and now we're going to sing about his goodness and that's what's been on my heart this week is no matter what we're going to sing of this goodness of God because every breath that I have able I will sing of your goodness amen
a bit strange, but um, I feel like God is saying that there's people here who needed to be reminded that his goodness is chasing after them. And if that's you, I just, I pray that you're bold and you'd say, yes, that's me. And you can have people around you pray for you because that's what we're here for community to do, right? So if you just feel like you've been running and running and running, I just pray that God reminded you he's chasing you with his love and his goodness and have people pray for you this morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I want to say amen to the uh, goodness of God. Sing of his faithfulness. I'll sing of his goodness. And uh, we, we know that every day, but it's good to be reminded and to good, good to sing about it. Well, welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. Um, we may be ahead of the, the snow today, from what I hear, but that's okay. Uh, good to be ahead of it, but uh, if you're out in it later, be careful. All right, well, welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us today um, here at the Vineyard and uh, at home. Uh, we are live streaming our Sunday services on Facebook, and you can also find us later in the week on YouTube. We are continuing our first sermon series of this new year found in Genesis. Uh, we've entitled it The Patriarchs, Encountering the God of, Jacob, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and Pastor Brent's message today is A Test of Faith. And he'll be dealing with the chapters 21, 22, and 23 in Genesis. Um, if you don't have that memorized, you can uh, find that in your Bible. Uh, and parts of it, part of it in the bulletin. Um, you know, the very first uh, Bible class that I took when I was in seminary, uh, and I'd been a Christian about a year and a half, uh, and, and uh, while I'd been brought up in church, I didn't know a whole lot of 
I hadn't, I'd never paid much attention to the Bible along the way, even though my, my dad was a pastor and, and all that. But uh, I, my, first, my first English Bible class was uh, on the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And I signed up for it because I had to have an Old Testament class, and I assumed it was going to be boring and, and full of laws. Um, and I discovered God's grace is from beginning to end in the Bible. Um, and uh, glad, glad to be in the part of this study today. Yesterday's planning meeting for 2023 was profitable and wonderful, and God's presence and blessings were evident. Um, thanks, to, thanks to the 48, 50 people who signed up for the prayer ch- for the prayer chain, or not the prayer chain, but the uh, prayer coverage uh, for this event, uh, 24 hours leading up to it, and then during the during the event as well. Thanks to all of you who took part in that. Uh, God smiled. Um, if you are new to the vineyard, we're glad that you're here. Uh, today we have a meet and greet time immediately following our service uh, in the fellowship hall, which is right over there, um, and. Uh, Take some time to uh, get to know some of us, and we'd like to meet, meet you as well. Um, our beautiful Christmas decorations, the time has come uh, for them to come down. Uh, please uh, join us Saturday from 9 to 11 uh, as we, uh, it takes a lot of hands uh, to get these down and packed away and uh, ready for next year, but we could certainly use your help. See Tracy or Kaylee for more information. Um, on Saturday, February the 4th, uh, from uh, starting at 1 o'clock uh, here at the Vineyard, there's a celebration of life to honor our dear friend Kathy Parati. Um, there will be a luncheon to follow in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, and now we have something exciting to announce. Uh, beginning February 25th, we are offering a class called the Meaning of Marriage, A Vision for Married and Single People, or Facing the Complexities of Commitment with the Wisdom of God. It will meet for, for six Saturdays in a row from 12.30 to 3 p.m. Uh, starting February 25th and going through April 1st. Interested? Stay tuned for more. Um, and finally, don't forget today's offering. We have a small table in the back uh, of the sanctuary for your offering. Um, You can give small or large. Uh, We we accept both or anything in between. Um, You can also donate uh, on our church website or on Facebook. Uh, So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I invite you to continue to listen as Brent comes in uh, to give the sermon this morning. morning. Welcome to old and new and in between. We're glad that you're all here and um, glad that we beat the snow. That was nice too. Uh, 
I just dropped my wife off at the airport about 4 o'clock this morning. So if I fall asleep while I'm preaching, that's why. Um, If I put myself to sleep, hopefully I won't. Continuing a series on Abraham in the Old Testament. He's considered one of the patriarchs. He's actually considered the father of our faith. Uh, he's, he's like the kind of one of the first models of, of what it means to believe in God. And he does it somewhat imperfectly, but in some ways he does some pretty amazing things too. If you, you know, normally we, we you know, like um, the leader of our association, John Wimber, used to say there's no great men and women of God. There's just the great God of men and women. And I think that's really true. But we do find sometimes some men and women who did some pretty astounding things. And Abraham's one of those who did some pretty astounding things. So today we're going to talk about a test of faith. I was watching, uh, uh, I think it was Billy Graham once, and he was using an illustration of a, a guy who was, and I don't think this really happened, I think it was just an illustration, although it may have happened, um, who, was, who was doing a tightrope walk thing across Niagara Falls, and he had a, a wheelbarrow, and he's pushing this wheelbarrow, and he's going back and forth and you know, walking on this tightrope across Niagara Falls. And there's a big crowd there, and he puts a bunch of weight in it. He puts like a couple bags of concrete or something in it. He's walking, and, and then he asks the crowd, he says, do you think that I could carry a person and do this? Because he had like whatever, 150 pounds of weight or 200 pounds of weight in there, and they all go, yeah, yeah, I think you could. And he said, and so he walks over to the other, you know, he kind of walks himself over to the other side, and he said, okay, jump in. <laughs> and um, nobody did. Uh, and in some ways, what, what God calls us to is to jump in, doesn't he? Sometimes he calls us to jump in, and sometimes it looks scary, and sometimes we're we're not sure what's going on, and we're not sure what he's doing. And the passage we're looking at this morning is, is one of those passages. In fact, it's one of the more in, unique and odd passages in Scripture because it seems like it goes against a bunch of the things that God says not to do. In fact, it does go against some of the things God says not to do. It's, um, it's in Genesis 22, and it's, it's when God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. He's in, in verse 21, I'll read it in a minute here, they finally, him and Sarah finally have their baby. He's already slept with his servant Hagar and had a son through him, Ishmael, and through a series of incidences, which we'll cover again a little bit today, um, uh, Sarah asked to send them out into the desert. And so they do, so Abraham has to let go of of his son Ishmael, and he actually really cares about Ishmael, and, and God actually used the promise to Ishmael that he'd become a great nation, which happened. Um, but he's left with, with one only son, and that's Isaac. And so we're going to pick it up right here, and we're going to start in chapter 21. I'm just going to touch on that. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Now Sarah's I she must be 95 or something. I don't know. She's older than most people are when they get pregnant, than almost anybody is when they get pregnant. Um, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham at his old age. Now, he's, I can't remember how old he is either, around 100. At the very time God promised him. Abraham gave 
um, the name Isaac to the son of Sarah, the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son was born to him. And so some of you who have raised your grandchildren and things like that, even you haven't really dealt with what Abraham had to deal with. Can you imagine a hundred years old, you know, diaper duty, like <laughs> you're laying in bed. I used to actually, when, um, this this is bad, I'm really, that was really bad. But, you know, when, when Bethany was little and we'd have diaper duty in the middle of the night, and you could hear her crying. And that perfected the art of pretending like I was sleeping. So she used to be like, honey, honey, you know, like, you know, it's just, I know. It's a, so, um, anyway, <laughs> I can't imagine that at 100. Um, so Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Now, when God first told her that she was going to get pregnant, she laughed in thinking he was crazy, thinking God was crazy, which in some, in some ways, in our perspective, he does some things that are pretty crazy. But she laughed. Well, then... You know, she actually gets the last laugh here, too. It said, Sarah said, God brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that they would nurse children? Yet I have, yet I have borne him a son in his old age, and God has brought me laughter. And so Isaac actually kind of means laughter. So, And in that process, her other son... It isn't really her son, it's Hagar's son, but it's Abraham's son. Ishmael starts kind of ridiculing and teasing uh, Isaac, which brothers tend to do that. But Sarah gets upset and wants, wants her gone, and, and God tells Abraham, it's okay, I'm going to take care of him. So Abraham sends him out into the desert with some water, and, um, and God does take care of him and provides for him. So, but it says in chapter 22 then, sometime later, now this may be, we're not sure how much time later, um, Isaac might be a teenager at this point, something like that. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And when he's saying, here I am, he's saying, I'm available, I'm, I'm here. And every time God and Abraham do this interaction, Abraham is really responsive to God, isn't he? He's just like, here I am, here I am, I'm available. And, and it, what, a, what a cool picture of how we're supposed to be with God. God, here I am, I'm available. And, you know, it, I think that's you know, one of the reasons God probably worked with Abraham a lot, because he was like, here I am. Then God said, Please, and it doesn't show this in, in some of your texts, but he actually says this. He says, please take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. And I'll talk about this in a minute because it just seems like, really? God's telling him to sacrifice a child? That just seems archaic. Again, we're talking about thousands of years ago, and that was not an uncommon practice in that area. 
But the Israelites were forbidden, at least after this, the Israelites were forbidden to do that. And this may even be part of how God was trying to teach them that you're not supposed to do that. But early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. It's three days away. So he has three days to think about this thing that he has to do. Don't you hate it when, when you have to do something really hard and then you have to wait? It's like, no, just get it over with. You know, if I'm going to get a shot, if I'm going to have to have surgery, I'm like, just do it now. You know, just, I'm, I'm just going to go get a saw from my garage and I'm just doing it. And I, I'm not going to wait. Um, self-surgery, that's called. Works really good. Um, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance, and he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy, or the lad, go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac. So Isaac's carrying... You see some parallels going on here with somebody? Remember somebody else who had to carry wood for their own death? And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand with the knife to slay him. But then angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abram, Abraham, here I am. Again, here I am, Lord. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up in the thicket, and he saw a ram caught it by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. God will provide. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. You know, when God has to say, I swear to God kind of thing. He can't say, I swear to God. He has to say, I swear by myself, you know. And that's what he does. He says, I swear by myself. Um, that because you have done this and not withheld your, your son, your only son, and we'll get into that too. That's an interesting comment. I will surely bless you and make your descendants. As new, I will, and what this says in the Hebrew is it says, I will really, really bless you. He's already said he's going to bless him. Now he's really, really going to bless him, which is better, I guess, than being just blessed. It's like really, really blessed. How many of you want to be really, really blessed? I do. Sounds good to me. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, and your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Father, come and bless 
this. You know, Lord, what you want to communicate. You know that your servant here tonight, today is tired. But, but God, you said when we are weak, you are strong. So we pray for your power to come forth this morning and really do some good things, the things you want to do, Jesus, in this community, I pray, as you are all the ultimate sacrificial lamb who, who <laughs> laid down your life for the sins of the world. May, may your grace flood this place today. And may this word penetrate our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the first point in this, pretty simply, is that, that God tests us sometimes. He tests us sometimes. And sometimes it's not necessarily things that God does, but the things that happen in our lives. I've gotten a little bit better at when something's going on at saying, okay, God, what are you trying to show me through this? You know, I don't get, I don't like this, but show me what you're trying to do. I, many, I went through this big run of, like, Injuries, many, the, the, during the, from, like, from about 2010 to about 2020. And it started out with my hips. My hips started, I got a vascular necrosis, and my hips started losing their, the top part, and the bone was just disappearing. And some of you know this, that you know, I was supposed to go to India, and it was kind of a good excuse not to go to India, but then God actually miraculously healed, literally healed them, where to the point where the doctor that was looking at the MRIs was doing a measurement on the, had taken MRI measurements to, you know, retrofit my hips and had the old MRI sitting up there and he could see like there was literally no, no um, head on, on the, whatever that bone is there. Um, what bone is that, that big one there? femur that's what i thought it was a femur so anyway there's no head on it and then on the second one there was and I, we had this really funny discussion about you know like like he's just sitting there looking at it and going i'm like so when are we going to do surgery and he goes come back in a year and i'm like a year we're supposed to do this and he's he's like i said why and he said because it got better and i'm like okay does that happen a lot and he goes no he said just come back in a year and do whatever you know and I said well what happened he goes I don't know I said does it happen a lot and he goes no (laughs) anyway that whole thing it was just a funny dialogue that happened but so that so that happens my hips get better and so I'm able to go to India do all this stuff in 2015 well 2016 I get whacked by I've been riding motorcycle for like 40 years I get whacked by a guy um, for the first time in 40 years by this guy, and I fly over his car, and I land on my, I thankfully I had really good gear on, I had a helmet on, and some, I had protection, the only place I didn't have protection was on my scapula, which I didn't really even know I had a scapula, until it snapped, it snapped in half when I landed, I landed on my back and my head, my head was already damaged, so that wasn't much of a problem, but I had a helmet on, and um, snapped my scapula, so that was kind of a big deal, and that took a long time to heal, and so I had to have my arm immobilized for about three months. And then I had to, after that, go through physical therapy for about six months. And then that next year, they had to do surgery on it because they couldn't really do surgery until the scapula was healed to kind of fix the rest of the shoulder. And so that was about almost another year of just rehab and stuff. Well, I got done with the rehab, and um, I'm just done with it. And... 
about a week after that, or a week and a half after that, I'm getting off my motorcycle here, and I'm walking across the yard, and I take a step. And somebody had driven across the yard in the winter, and there was a divot about this deep, and there was grass over it. I couldn't see it. And I step on it, and I, I feel my foot goes like this, and I hear this loud pop. And I kind of fell down, and I was like, <laughs> I was in massive denial. I'm like, no, no, no. I just got out of rehab. So I go and I walk in to the office, and Connie, our treasurer, was there. And I fall over, and then she goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. So I get up, walk around a little bit, fall over again. And she goes, are you sure you're okay? And at first I thought maybe she thought I was drunk or something, but she didn't. She just thought something's not right. And I said, well, I just hurt my ankle a little bit. And so then I fell over again, and then I went off and drove my motorcycle. Um, so the next, so I went out to eat that night with some friends. The next day, it it really wasn't good. So I drove my motorcycle to the ER, and the ER get doctors like, "What are you?" you I won't tell you what he said. He goes, "He goes, what the h are you doing?" He goes, "You're not going to ride that home, you know." And my my Achilles had had torn itself and had wound itself right behind my knee, so it wasn't connected at all anymore. And he was like, you're not going to be riding that for a while, which wasn't true, but I ended up, but anyway, the bottom line is I ended up spending six months not really being able to walk on, on, on my, this leg. And so I used used the peg leg thing. Some of you remember that? It was really fun. I used to freak you guys out because I'd go up and down this thing with it. So I had that for about six months. And, and during that time, I, I was... I, the first six mu- the first while I had a, like a full thing on here, so this is so I'm going on like whatever five four or five years of being some somewhat disabled, and again this this isn't major testing but it kind of was for me, you know because I'm like oh, Lord what are you doing, and and I remember one day in particular I'm I'm sitting and I have this full leg th- oh it's on this side this full leg thing on I think it's this. Maybe it's, no, it is this side. It's this side. I can't remember. Um, I forget which parts I broke. Um, there's a lot of them. So anyway, so this side, this, so anyway, I come home, and Teresa's gone to work, and I'm rolling around on a, the only thing we could use in our house is like a, a roller chair from like a desk. So I'm rolling around. I finally, one day, I thought, okay, I'm going to make myself breakfast. And so I'm sitting there in this chair, and, and, you know, trying, I'm making breakfast, you know, on the stove, and I'm trying to get stuff, and it took me about an hour, but I got a breakfast. I think I even made myself, like, pancakes and eggs, and I was so excited. I bring him into the, the living room, and I set him on the TV thing, and then I go to move myself from the, from the uh, roller chair onto the couch, and as I'm doing that, I'm forgetting that this whole leg is one piece, and so... I, I sit on the couch, and this leg goes, boom, and it, like, hits the side of the plate. The plate, in slow motion, goes, woo, 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 and it goes like this, and it lands straight down. And I'm looking at it, and I looked up, and I said, God, you think this is funny. This isn't funny, God. This is not funny at all. I don't like this. I don't like this. We don't like tests. We don't like it when God puts us in circumstances that we don't understand that are hard. And I don't think Abraham, Abraham 
really like this. I mean, it's got to be hard, right? But God does call us sometimes. And sometimes he calls us. Now, the, the test with his son, first of all, like I said, for, for Abraham in that culture, child sacrifice was actually not uncommon. Israel was not supposed to do it, at least later on, God told them. And this may be part of how God was trying to teach them not to do it. But, but a lot of the people around there, their, their deities, they thought, would ask for the sacrifice of their firstborn child. And there's something more significant than, than just offering your, you know, your firstborn child. He was, the firstborn child was, represented all of your future. And for Abraham in particular, whom God had promised to, that all the nations on the earth would be blessed through him and that, that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky. He was literally taking the promises and all of his future and everything he had done. He had left his family. He had left his home. He had left everything for God. And God was saying, here, I want you to take that everything you've already done and all these years of hardship, because he had come into the promised land and the promised land wasn't as promised it wasn't quite as what abraham thought there were people there he ends up having to go to egypt because there's a famine there and then he ends up having to fight off four kings because they capture his nephew lot and so there's a lot of trouble so he's already gone through a lot of challenges to to be in this promised land and then god's god's saying you know that promise i gave to you i want you to put it on an altar I want you to put it on an altar. Has God ever, has God ever asked you to put something on, an, on the altar? Do you have something in your life that, that is so valuable, that is so important, that, it, that, it, that it's, you're in danger of maybe making that your God? God sometimes asks us to do that, to put those things on the altar. When John Wimber, the, the head of the vineyard, became a follower of Jesus, he was part of this group called the Righteous Brothers. God spoke very clearly to him and said, I want you to lay down your music. I want you to lay down your... your." He was the Righteous Brothers. Do you know? Some of you don't know the Righteous Brothers. They were really a popular group back in the, what, late, early 60s? Late 50s, early 60s, they were a big group. And some of you have probably even heard, even you, some of you younger people have probably heard some of their music because it still gets used in Top Gun movies and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, he was called to do that. He had to lay that down. And so he went from being on stage with thousands of people, and, and he was part, I think he was maybe their manager too. You can see him on some of the early albums. He went from that to washing dishes in, in a restaurant in Las Vegas. And so he's washing dishes. He laid it down. He laid it down. He said, okay, God. And yet what God had in store for him was so much more significant than he could ever imagine. He ends up becoming the, the, the person God uses to start this movement that literally has thousands of churches across the world right now that's touched thousands and thousands of lives that transformed thousands of lives that was part of the the whole music renewal and renaissance that we now know as contemporary christian music do you know that the vineyard was one of the first 
groups of people. There were a couple of other groups, Integrity and a few others, but Vineyard was one of the first groups that actually did that. That was, it was considered, you know, it was kind of funny back then. It was considered like the devil's music, you know. That's the devil's music. Can't play that. Devil's music. Jesus seemed to like it, but, you know, hey. So God tests us sometimes, and sometimes he asks us for that. He, he asks us to, to lay down things. He asks us to say, you know, you know, in, in my relationship with Teresa, there was a time when we were dating when he literally spoke to her and said, I, I want you to, to, to bre- break up with Brent. She was actually going out with this other guy, too, named Reed. He was pretty evil. Um, <laughs> but... She was praying, and she was praying one day and said, Lord, what should I do? And God literally spoke to her and said, you know, why should I tell you? Because you're going to do whatever you want. And she was like, whoa, okay, what do you want me to do? And she said, she said no to read, or no to me, which I thought was really wrong. I mean, I was really sure I was supposed to be with Teresa. And through that whole process, I ended up, because she did that, that was the first time in years I hadn't had a girl, a girlfriend. Because she did that, I ended up coming to know Jesus. And I came to, into a relationship with Christ. And I was actually able to lay down that relationship. And when I laid it, I literally, genuinely laid it. Not a kind of a pretend lay down. You know, have you ever done that? Like, okay, God, here you go. God, like, let go of it. You've got to let go of it if you're letting go of it. So when I finally did that, God actually brought her back. Begging and crawling. And it's awesome. She's not here. She can't throw things at me. It's awesome. So anyway, first of all, God tests us. He tests us. And he tested Abraham. Secondly, God's test can last a long time sometimes. Sometimes people, I mean, Abraham had to, I mean, he's called a sacrifice of Sonny, and then he has to travel three days to get there. Can you imagine what those three days were like? Like, oh, you know? God tests us sometimes. He tested his own son in the desert, didn't he? For 40 days. Some of the, some of the, terms used tempted some of them used tested tempted and tested are two sides of the same coin god tests us to either show him or show us what's really in our hearts the devil uses that as a temptation to bring us down god uses that as a a, a tool to bring us up so when we're tested by god you know we have two choices two ways to go with that we can either just get mad and say, you know, like when I was dealing with those, all those things, I find like, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but okay, I get it. I can't control any of this. But tests can last a long time, and there are a lot of you who've gone through a lot of tests and are going through tests in life. Sometimes people have cancer for a really long time. They struggle with it. Some, some of you, you know, wanted a spouse. Just waiting and waiting. There's nothing, doesn't seem like anything's on the horizon. Or some of you maybe have tried to get pregnant over the years and just hasn't worked. Some of you have children who 
either aren't walking with God or are going through difficult times and it's maybe been years that you've been praying for him. It can be really hard, can it? Testing can last a long time. For Abraham, it was three days, but three really long days. But through this whole thing, Abraham believed that God would provide. He says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he carried it. And Isaac goes, Father, yes, my son, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know, we look at that and we go, was he just like placating Isaac or what? And I think, no, I think he genuinely believed that God, that somehow God was going to fulfill this thing that he promised Abraham. Even though God was asking for it, I think, I think, Abraham just had this faith that somehow God's going to accomplish, God's going to get this done. I don't know how. I don't know what. In fact, in, in um, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, it, it says this. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And the fact is, God wants us to walk out our faith, even though God knows what's in our hearts already, kind of. There's something about actually, you know, God allows Adam and Eve to disobey him. Does God know what's going to happen beforehand? I think so. I think God you know, knows that. But I also think that he wants us... You know, It's like, does God know what we're going to ask for when we pray? Yeah. Does he want us to pray? Yeah. There's something about, about actually doing it that's significant. It's really significant. And so Abraham gets to that point... And God says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You understand, sometimes God wants us to actually walk through it. To say yes. Does he know our hearts? Yes. Does he want us to still step out and pray or offer up or do whatever? Yes. The Lord does provide. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket was a, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. And so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. It will be provided. Now like I said, we don't understand fully this, this whole thing. Part of it may be that God was trying to teach the Israelites that, that he does not accept child sacrifices. He does not want child sacrifices. But part of it, too, was, was a genuine thing where he wanted to see where Abraham's heart really was. And did Abraham really, really believe and trust him? And, and God does that sometimes in our lives. 
He'll put you in circumstances. If you're feeling this morning like, man, this is just hard. God sometimes is just going, I want to see where you're really at. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and God sometimes brings us to that point where, where, where we just offer it up. Sometimes, at least for me, sometimes I have to, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like a lot of you, I, I, I tend to drift, you know, I drift. And sometimes God has to allow certain things to happen to bring me back into focus. There's nothing like bringing you back into focus than a crisis or something challenging or something difficult. It brings us back. It draws us near. It makes us healthily dependent on God like we're supposed to be to begin with. It brings us back from that drift. And when Abraham does step out, does act, God does provide. See, God, God is going to do this thing. God is going to do this thing. And then God has this amazing... And, and, and God, it says at the beginning, God tested him. And then God says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. The angel of the Lord is God. It's like this kind of incarnational picture of God. He said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. And he, This is a different name that he uses for himself here. The first one is just a, kind of a generic God. This one's the personal God. And he says... That I declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants. And, and, and again, here he, he adds to the blessing at this point. This is kind of the final step. I mean, isn't it, isn't it interesting that Abraham's had to go through a bunch of, a bunch, it isn't just one time that, you know, God called him back in chapter 12 when he was a young man of whatever, 90, you know, he called him. And he said, leave, leave your family, leave everything, come and follow me. Well, that, that wasn't the end of it. Do you realize that our whole life we're going to go through things that are going to challenge us, that we're going to have to make decisions every step of the way about, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? It isn't just a one-time trust. It isn't just that moment that we say yes to Jesus. You know, for me, I had to, my first trust in Jesus was a genuine saying, you know, I basically kind of held up the book because I knew what, God, what God's rules were. I knew what he wanted. I knew what he, you know, asked for in, in terms of sexuality and all that stuff. A lot of that held me back because I was like, well, I, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to give up this or I don't want to do this or I don't want to have to, you know, not sleep around I don't want to you know what I mean and when I became a Christian I said okay I'm yours everything you say I'm in I'm in with both feet I didn't I didn't like put my toe in the water I jumped off the high dive went bloop I just said yes yes to all of it I don't know what it means I hope I don't have to wear like a, a, a you know black pants and a, a white shirt and a tie and and talk with it and talk like Jesus I hope I don't have to do that but <laughs> that sounds bad <laughs> but I didn't I didn't want to be like that but you know what God didn't 
he didn't call me to be like that. He let me be me. But there was a sense in which it was a whole surrender, like with John Wimber. It was a whole surrender. And throughout our whole lives, we, we're, we are going to be asked at different points to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me with this? We had to do that when my dad got dementia. Do you trust me? There was a time, I remember one of the times with my dad that I was just talking to him and I'm, I'm thinking, God, he's losing all of his memories. And, and I felt like God spoke to me and said, Brent, I have, I have all of his stuff on a hard drive. You know, I don't think he really had a hard drive, but you know, I don't know what God has for hard drives, but I've got all of who he is. And he's going to be okay. And that was a long journey. That was about a 15-year journey of him slowly losing his mind. You know? And we trust. And there are journeys as we get older. Our bodies don't work that well anymore. And, and we trust. And there are times when, when like for Dave Parati, when loved ones die. And he trusts. He says, I don't know what God is doing, but I'm still trying to trust in him. And there are times when some of you have been waiting and waiting for something and it hasn't happened. And yet we trust. There's a beautiful part of this whole thing where um where it says for God so loved you know we read this passage all the time and we just we don't realize that it's coming from somewhere this is John 3:16 remember the John 3:16 guy at all the football games if you're old like me he used to have a big af- rainbow afro and he'd hold up this big John 3:16 sign he was at every sporting event ever i don't know how he did that but anyway, but he held up this thing and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And you know what? When Abraham came up to there, God provided a lamb. When the father had to bring his son to Golgotha, there was no lamb. He was the lamb. He was the lamb. Somebody had to pay that. That lamb that Abraham was to offer was a sacrifice for, for sin because God is loving and God is just. In God's love, he doesn't want any of us to be separated from him. In his justice, he can't just let things go. There has to be accountability for stuff. When, when my daughter was assaulted by six young men at, at her house and they held a gun to her head and they smashed her foot and they kicked her around and beat her up a few years ago. I went down there to where she lived and I'm, Teresa, Teresa was kind of scared because I'm walking around I'm going to all the neighbors and to the people walking down the street. I go, do you know who these guys are? Do you know, tell these guys, if you see those guys, you tell them if they want to dance, I'll dance with them. I'm a really bad dancer, but you know. <laughs> but I wanted justice. Don't you see? There's a lot of things wrong in this world. God is a just God. He wants us he wants things to be right and sometimes there has to be a payment for that. 
And so when God came, so Abraham, when he's offering that, you know, when he's offering that, that sacrifice, that sacrifice is a sacrifice for sin. And the lamb represented him and his son. But when God came to that place, and God was looking at, at, re, at rebuilding all of creation, at reconstructing all of creation, he said, the only way that this is going to happen is if, if I take upon myself all the evil from this broken world, all the evil from all of us, all the sin from all of us, that if I take that upon myself, die for it, and three days later I'm raised from the dead in newness of life, that's the only way that we can begin this new creation. And so we have the lamb that, that was sacrificed, that was placed on the altar. In fact, in Romans 8 it says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. If you ever want to know when you're going through troubles, when you're going through testing, if you're, if the, the one thing, Tim Keller always said that, the one thing we, we can always know, no matter what's happening in our lives, that God loves us. That God loves you so much that he gave his own son. Father, would you come and would you Help all of us, help anybody here who's walking through. Some, I feel like there's just a lot of people here who've been walking through some really challenging journeys, who've been questioning you. Some, some of us have drifted. You want to call us back to yourself. Some of us have, have been going through some testing for a long period of time, and it's just hard. Some of us have family members that, that are... That are really struggling and, and are not walking with you or are in just confusion. And God, would you come? Would you come and bring healing to all these things? And some of you may not, may not totally get what this whole thing is about, what this Christian thing is about, what this offering of Jesus for our lives is about. What does that mean? And I want to invite you today to, to respond to that, to to, to even come up and just ask questions, or if you go to the the, um, the meet and greet, to just ask questions, to not be afraid to say, "Hey, what is this all about?" So I want to invite anybody who would like prayer for any of those things to come up, and we will pray for you. I want to invite any of you who are newer to to come to our meet and greet so you can learn a little bit more about who we are and who Jesus is. And I want to bless all of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he deliver us from the evil one. May he deliver us from times of temptation and difficult testing. But when we walk through those times, may we remember like Abraham that you are the Lord who provides and that you are the Lord who blesses, really, really blesses. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.